Hi, and welcome to the Skift Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Airline Weekly Editor Madhuni Krishnan. I'm joined today by Patrick White, Skift's Europe Editor. Good morning, Patty. How are you? Hey, Madhuni. Nice to be back. Thanks for joining us. Um, so we've got another exciting week in Europe. <laughs> the European airlines just can't seem to stay in business. Can you tell us what is the latest going on with Air Italy? It ceased operations um, in February, right? Yeah, so Air Italy is another uh, European carrier which has run out of gas. It's uh, ceased operations uh, this month. Um, its shareholders look to be, have been in some disagreement as to whether it's a viable, uh, it's a viable airline. One of them, Qatar Airways, seems to have said, yes, we can keep this going. The other one, uh, the other shareholder, which is the majority shareholder, which is the Aga Khan, has, seems to have implied that uh, he doesn't or they don't see a future for the airline. So, yeah, it, it stopped, uh, it's stopping. That ownership structure is a little bit complicated, right? I mean, it, even if the Aga Khan wanted to continue investing in the company, he couldn't because of ownership caps in Europe, right? So no, the uh, Qatar Airways can't uh, own more than forty nine percent. So any non European, uh, any any non European entity or person from outside the the group can't own more than half an airline. So which which does frustrate a lot of people. Some people think it would be great to allow these outside investors to come in, but it's it's a it's part of the rules set up by the European Union about flying and who's allowed to fly within the group. All right. Before we dive into the bankruptcy and Qatar's involvement in it, um, can you tell us a little bit about Air Italy and um, the routes it flew and just how it was doing? I mean, it never really did very well, right? No. So, I mean, it, it probably starts off with a view of competing uh, regionally. But as you know, short haul in Europe is dominated by a couple of carriers. You've got EasyJet, you've got Ryanair. So I think a couple of years ago, uh, it started to look further afield. If Fly. It flew to, uh, to Asia, it flew to the US, where it was involved in some kind of wrangling with the carriers over there about Qatar Airways and the involvement there and a dispute over Middle East carriers, which is a separate issue, I guess. But yes, yeah, so it started yeah. to fly long, uh, long haul. Um, but again, looking at the kind of reported figures for losses, they were growing. There were millions, sometimes I think hundreds of millions, I think I'm right in saying, over the years. So it's obviously not a viable it wasn't a viable business model going forward, it looks like. Well, before we get into that, let me explain to our listeners um, what happened over here in the U.S. So Air Italy started flying to, um, it served a couple of U.S. cities, including San Francisco, um, and raised the ire of the three largest U.S. carriers and their unions, um, Delta, American, and United, um, who, all of whom claimed that uh, that Air Italy is nothing more than a Trojan horse for Qatar to increase its presence in the U.S. operating, even though they weren't, because Air Italy is a European carrier. They, um, the U.S. groups alleged that uh, Qatar was operating essentially fifth freedom flights from the European Union to the U.S. and and therefore was in violation of a spirit of an agreement that they had um, that the U.S. struck, or sort of a side note, the U.S had with uh, the Qatar and the United Arab Emirates over um, air service to the U.S. And even the, I mean, the issue gets complicated, Patty, as you know, because you know, the U.S. has open skies with these countries and, could, you know, which allows them to fly Fifth Freedom flights or as many flights as they want to the U.S. But it just became this whole, whole political issue that just caused no end of, uh, of press releases and <laughs> advertisements yeah. and, and just all sorts of uh, posturing on both sides. 
So anyway, we're back to Aridly. It started these long haul flights, whether they're fifth freedom or not is debatable. Is I mean, no, actually it's not. But whether whether they were, it was a Trojan horse or not. They started these fifth freedom flights from Europe, but they. Did they? Is the problem, Patty, that they didn't really have any feed from Europe because they didn't have enough short hop? Um, present? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's always the argument with these carriers that you know you've seen it elsewhere, um, which maybe is why Norwegian has kind of signed all these agreements with. It's got one with EasyJet now, and it's got one with um, JetBlue in the US, I think, or that's about to come into into um, being. These airlines are trying to fly long haul, but they're small. So how do you get people to into those airports to connect? It's a very difficult place if you're on your own, and this maybe is where Airtly has struggled, and it hasn't just hasn't had the volume to make those long haul flights work. But you would think, I mean, and you're on the ground in Europe, or what was formerly Europe, and in Britain, <laughs> um, <laughs> you're on the ground there. I mean, Air Italy's domestic competition is on its knees. I mean, the Air Alitalia is just not doing very well. So why why do you think? Uh, from following the story, why do you think Air Italy couldn't make a go? I think it all goes back to the way European um, airlines have developed since the European Union became one big market. So like the United States, Europe is essentially one big country for um, flying purposes, let's just say, meaning that you can fly as long as you've got your majority European ownership, you can fly pretty much anywhere in Europe, um, regardless of where you're based. So those flag carriers that still exist and they've uh, kind of depleted over the years, they're kind of fighting um, a battle with these leaner, um, bigger airlines, Ryanair, Wizz Air now, EasyJet, um, even some of the big legacy carriers, they're smaller operations. You know, the days of an Italian carrier or a Spanish carrier, even a British carrier, even though the UK is leaving the European Union or has left the European Union now, those kind of days are, are, are gone because just the way the European uh, Union works as one big airline market, there's less room for smaller carriers to, to exist, even if that's how it used to be in these little in these smaller countries. So you, you're saying basically that Alatai and Airly on a smaller scale um, just just didn't have what it took to compete with with the EasyJets and Ryanairs of, of Europe. Is that, well, that- I that guess, that they, you know, Alitalia, there was always talk of Alitalia being um, bought by uh, one of the big airline groups in Europe. So uh, Air France, KLM. Wait, wait, let me correct you. There, there, there still is talk. <laughs> that talk never seems to so, fade. So in, in, that, in that respect, it, that Alitalia could exist as part of a bigger group, I guess. That's the, the theory that, you know, you've, you've still got KLM, which is still a Dutch airline, but it's part of a bigger group. Same with Iberia, part of IAG with British Airways and a few other airlines. Aer Lingus as well, a, small, a smaller carrier. It seems to have had a new lease of life since being part of IAG. So it, it can work, but for whatever reason, whether it's, um, legacy debt or other issues, Alitalia hasn't found a new home and is still being kept on life support by a government loan, which is amazing because you've got that. And then Air Italy, which wanted to compete with Alitalia, is now going out of business itself. So either there's something going on with the Italian air market or it's uh, just a random combination of events because of the way uh, Europe and European aviation is structured at the moment. Now, um, what do you know, just from following the story, what uh, what does this sort of bankruptcy mean for um, Air Italy's assets, including its aircraft, and um, also its labor force? I mean, uh, the Italian labor force, if you look at Alitalia, has been is tends to be a little restive. Um, do you know what's gonna what how labor has responded? To I this do not bankruptcy? at the moment, but I guess that it seems to be fairly orderly in terms of keeping the um, flights going for uh, with other carriers. I think it's kind of a, it seems to be quite an orderly shutdown, but. 
it was a much smaller business than uh, Alitalia. I think it had 12 or 13 um, aircraft. So I don't know exactly off the top of my head how many people it employed, but it's probably a much smaller number than Alitalia, which is still not great for those people who work there. It's really terrible to lose lose your job. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what's happening in terms of the labor situation at the company or in terms of its fleet either. Do you know, um, do you, so what's your assessment? Do you think uh, Cutter made a mistake? Was it too ambitious? Because, um, you know, Etihad, for example, tried the strategy of, of expanding worldwide by buying minority stakes in a bunch of carriers and, and Cutter seemed to be following in its footsteps with this investment in Air Italy. Do you think it was on the whole was a mistake or an experiment? It looks bad, doesn't it? The Qatar has, has gone, uh, had the same fate as Etihad, which made all these big investments and then uh, didn't couldn't make them work for whatever reason. And, you know, it probably goes back to the problem with European um, ownership rules, the problem or, the, you know, whatever your view on that. They cannot own more than 49%, which means they can't control the company, which means it's harder for them to control the direction and all these other things. And they're kind of still, they have to operate at the whim of the majority shareholder. So if you're uh, if you're Qatar Airways and you're you want to do a certain thing, it's more difficult to do if you're the minority shareholder. So you just haven't got the control. And reading between the lines of the statement the airline put out um, when the news of Air Italy broke, the implication was that it wanted to keep it going and that it had ideas and said it was still viable. But the the major shareholder, the Aga Khan, again reading between the lines, didn't want to do that. So it was kind of it had its hands tied. It would argue, but it doesn't look good for the company um, and. Who knows whether these kind of uh, types of investments can really work in Europe? It's, it seems to be very difficult to make it work. All right. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears now and talk about another uh, struggling, well, I guess technically formerly European carrier, and that's Flybe. Um, Michael O'Leary, the chief of Ryanair, um, said something rather vulgar, which I will not repeat about where about uh, UK, the UK's um, sort of loan to to Ryanair. Or, sorry, to Flybe. Uh, can you tell us what's going on there? So Flybe is still flying. It's still going. Um, it is. It's it's a weird situation because all these reports have come out in the press. You know, we've you keep hearing rumors, but nobody, not the government, won't exactly acknowledge what's going on because in the past with carriers such as Thomas Cook and Monarch, it's kind of stood back and said these companies need to uh, succeed or fail on their own terms. We're not going to get involved. Um, but with Flybe's case, it seems to be a bit more involved and again, has been very reticent to describe what's going on behind the scenes, whether it's offering a loan or whether it's just saying Flybe's air passenger duty doesn't have to be paid straight away. It can have a bit more time to pay that. We're kind of not sure, but um, reporting seems to suggest that the airline can continue flying for the foreseeable future, but it wants um, it wants help from the government, which, you know, on the surface, fair enough. But if you look at the shareholding of Flybe and who owns it now, there's some very rich people involved in the ownerships um, of the company. It's owned by partly by Virgin Atlantic, which itself is owned by Delta. So a lot of people are saying, well, hang on a second, why should the UK taxpayers stump up any kind of loan or should why should the government get involved when it's owned by Delta and Richard Branson, partly at least? two very rich groups of people. So why aren't they putting more money in? It's a very strange situation. Yeah, it's inter- it struck me as interesting, too, because the Conservative Party, which has uh, which is in power in uh, the United Kingdom now, has historically sort of taken a hands-off approach to, to companies, right? I mean, said companies have to survive by market forces and is kind of less keen on um, investing or propping up uh, Industry is as uh, the opposition is. So, so what's going on there? Why are why are they doing this? Do you know, 
Do you have well, any there's a, there's a slight change in the in the direction of the Conservative Party under Boris Johnson, who is kind of playing more of a populist card. So he has, uh, in order to win the election in December, he had to make a pitch to northern um, voters and, and regional voters in in the in the UK. And there's a kind of theory going that because Flybe serves all of these regional airports, it would look bad if suddenly um, the Conservative Party was abandoning a company that, that operated at these airports, employed people at these airports, you know, like in the northeast of the UK or in the southwest. Um, if they abandoned Flybe and didn't offer a loan or didn't look like they were even thinking about it, it would look really bad. So there's a kind of think, thinking or it looks this, the way that they're doing it is to make it look like they are helping out the regions. That's one theory going. Interesting. So in other words, they're sort of not buying support or they're sort of shoring up their support in um, some of the some of the um, smaller regions of the UK, which Flybe exactly. serves by propping it up. Interesting. That's an interesting theory. Um, so what uh, and, and to explain to our readers, I mean, Flybe does operate some routes to some of the islands off the coast of the United Kingdom, right, that don't have any other viable method of transportation. Yeah, there's a few routes that, that, right? that on, and it serves um, smaller regional airports as well, which you can get to via train if you want to, but there's, you know, there's an argument that it's a lot faster if you fly. So, yeah, and it does serve some European routes as well, but it's kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a regional European carrier, but with a, a big base, a big, well, a big presence in the UK. And is it still, is it, is it still called Flybe or is it still, is it re being rebranded well, as Virgin is, Connect? This is strange. There was a lot of talk and it, it made sense. You know, we were talking a bit about before about feeder, um, short-haul feeder aircraft onto um, onto long-haul aircraft. And Virgin Atlantic has tried that in the past with Little Red, which failed. And this was another kind of attempt maybe to get that feeder traffic into certain airports to service those long-haul flights. And uh, the idea, or at least the theory, seemed to be at the time that it would be rebranded Virgin Atlantic Connect or Virgin Connect or something like that. But given the financial troubles, maybe that's on hold at the moment. Maybe Virgin doesn't want to be associated with a struggling airline for the time being. Um, but if, if it's if it turns it around, which which is possible, that will probably happen sometime later this year, I imagine. Oh, interesting. In yeah, other exactly. words, watch the space, right? <laughs> all right, Patty, thank you so much for joining us on the Airline Weekly thank Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, buddy. Thank all of you for listening to the Airline Weekly Podcast. And if you have any feedback, please do not hesitate to contact me at mu at skiff.com. Thank you and goodbye.